everybody hear me? Excellent, great. Um, just before we kick off, can I get a, uh, an idea of um, where you're all coming from? Um, who has not heard of the term content management system? Okay, so everybody knows what a content management system is. Um, please raise your hand if you're already using a content management system. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so many of you are not already using the content management system. Those of you who are, can you shout out the name of the system that you're using at the moment? Wow. <laughs> you're using both. Yes! Okay, guys in the back. Red dot. Red dot. Okay, any other systems being used? Red dot. Red dot as well. Okay. Excellent. That's just useful for us to know. And um, uh, if you've got any questions um, and they're matters of uh, uh, clarification, please shout them out as, as we go along. Um, we will also have time at the end of this session for, for questions. So we reserve the right, if you raise your hand and ask a question, we reserve the right to say we'll um, take that at the end. Excellent. Well, there are four of us presenting today, and we're each going to do a chunk of, of the presentation. Um, just to kick off with... Um, I'm going to start off by um, uh, talking about what is Plone. For those of you who don't know, it's an enterprise-level content management system. It, by enterprise-level, it means it's suitable to be run, to be used for, for um, fairly large organizations. Um, actually, uh, among the many organizations that are already using Plone, uh, the CIA is, I think, my favorite. Uh, uh, so there are, there, are, there are various government sites in the US and around the world, Australia, Brazil, and places. Um, lots of non-profits are using Plone already, and uh, lots of uh, sites in the education community, both here in the US uh, and abroad. Uh, and uh, there are various um, places you can go to on Plone.org, on uh, our webline site, and, and various other places you can find on the net that actually list um, lots of organizations that are already using this content management system. One of the reasons that these organizations are, are using Plone, I think, um, is because it has excellent security. I mean, you'd hardly expect the CIA to use a system that didn't have excellent security. Um, you can control very precisely who does what, when, and where. Uh, it's incredibly granular, it's incredibly flexible, it's incredibly customizable. Um, there's also this um, thing called workflow, which is the ability to um, have content go through a series of steps um, which you can, you can define. So if, for example, you have a content provider who, you want, who wants to add something to your website, you can have them add it, but you can build in a review step so that you can look at it and okay it um, before, it, before it's actually published on your website. And, and those two things together um, mean that um, uh, Plone actually stands apart from many other content management systems in, in, in the level of customizability and, and, and security on those things. Plone is also technology neutral. You can run it on a Linux box, you can run it on a Windows box, you can run it on Mac and so on. It also integrates at the back end with a number of different databases. Um, big selling point for many people in the education community is that it's open source. You red dot people. I can see you going green with envy at this point. <laughs> um, and it's very uh, extensible. Uh, you can customize um, it very heavily yourself if you want, but there are also lots of what are called products, plugins that you can um, use to give it extra functionality. Um, it's already been used widely at Penn State. Um, I, I remember coming to this web conference a couple of years ago and Smeal gave a presentation about how they trans transferred their site to Plone. Um, education, College of Education is using it. Um, College of Science Dean's Office is, is moving to use it and so on. Um, you can read the list. Departments, various institutes, um, even a campus now. Um, uh, Barron campus, uh, administrative units, and 
There is a central support team called WebLine. Um, WebLine is a team which exists to help units at Penn State move to adopt the Plone content management platform. And WebLine also builds a range of customized software for Plone, um, specifically to help Penn State units um, do things better. Um, so in today's talk, um, we're going to give you a number of case studies about how we all moved our sites to Plone. We came from a variety of starting points. As you will hear, we're going to talk about where we started from, the process of moving to Plone, the kind of timescales that it, gave, it took us. We're going to give you some synthesized advice, you know, some of the things that wish we wish we hadn't done or we wish we had done or we did and it worked well. Um, and that's both on the process point of view and also thinking about the skills and people that you need. And we're going to wind up um, by giving you um, a list of contacts and resources. So um, with that, I'm going to hand over to Rose, who's going to talk about the dairy uh, and animal science website. Hello. <coughs> yes, I'm Rose Prina. I'm with Dairy and Animal Science in the College of Ag. And um, I'm assuming that uh, there is a, a pretty good percentage of folks in here who are, would be migrating from a static web presence with all of the issues inherent with static web presence, some uh, redundant content issues, some uh, probably different styles, uh, probably need to rework uh, design, navigation, and information architecture. My situation is actually considerably different from that. I moved to Dairy and Animal Science in 2005, and I I inherited a website that largely had already been migrated into a, a content management system. It's a homegrown custom CMS built in Cold Fusion. It was built by a, a very, very brilliant programmer who had a good sense of IA and design and who also was very savvy about standards compliance. Now, because the content largely was already in a CMS, I was in good shape in that area too. There wasn't a lot of embedded code, which is something that those with static websites are, are going to have to deal with that. Wasn't an issue. Now it is a one person web shop, so I do sysadmin, server admin, all the way up to uh, twaddling with content at times. However, we have about 25 content managers all around the department and actually all around the state. And they're already very used to using a CMS, so they were more than ready to move into Plone. So you might wonder if I had a situation that good, and it has been very, very good, why did I even consider moving to Plone? I actually held off from going to Plone for two years in DAS because I was so happy with my system. But the reality is the Dairy and Animal Science website has a very uh, large and very demanding clientele. It's also very global. We get a lot of visitors from all around the world because of the content. We have a lot of um, extension and outreach and education materials, and we really <coughs> were outgrowing our homegrown custom CMS. We needed something enterprise level. Anybody who has maintained a homegrown CMS or any collection of dynamic applications knows that the maintenance takes over after a while. The more of the applications you have, especially if you're a one-person shop, you reach a point where you are spending most of your time maintaining and troubleshooting and you don't have a lot of time for special projects and for innovation. That's a real problem. That's not a good place for a web shop to be. I was also very attracted to the Plume community. The more I learned about it, I understood that it was open source at its best. The Plume community is one of the best open source communities I've ever experienced, and I've dabbled and worked with a lot of them. They are a, an amazing bunch of people, and I'm speaking globally. 
Open source, obviously, I wanted something where I could get under the hood. I was very spoiled. There was no way I was going to go to a commercial CMS where I couldn't touch the thing. I needed something that I could customize as much or as little as I wanted to. Um, the price is right. I'm not going to say that open source is free. Anything worth doing has is, is got an investment to it. But the price was absolutely right. Compare it to a commercial CMS, you know, starting at, you know, maybe $15,000 and ranging up to six figures. You know, some of them are $300,000 and more. That was a no-brainer. And then what finally sealed the deal for me was WebLine Hosting, uh, which is, is coming up uh, beginning this fall officially. That's going to take the whole sysadmin burden off me. And so I was all about that. So how did I do it? I talked to my boss about WebLion, and we purchased the departmental level two-year WebLion uh, consulting services for the cost of about three desktop machines, three servers. I'm able to work very, very closely with the WebLion group for two years. And then after that, I'm a partner in Perpetuity, and it's a, it's a community uh, dynamic at that point. I'm migrating incrementally. I have about 80% of the site in Plum now. The rest is in Cold Fusion. It took me three months to migrate 80% of the site. It went very, very smoothly. It's a work in progress. If you go to the DAS homepage right now, that's actually one of the last pages that will be going into Plum. I started at the back end and worked toward the front. Yes, I have two content management systems running in parallel right now. It's not a problem. It's completely under my control. It's worked out extremely well, as I've said. So now that most of the website is in Plone, I have so many possibilities that are open to me. We're interested in courseware. We're interested in a digital asset management system. We're interested in document management systems. We're interested in blogging, unifying our blogging environment. Currently, we're running our blogs in WordPress. I'd like to lose PHP and MySQL and, and unify more around Plone. So Plone has some very, uh, very useful uh, third-party products that's going to make that possible. There's so much more functionality out of the box that I didn't have to build. I don't have to build this stuff from the ground up, and that means a lot to me. As far as maintenance goes, the amount of time that I have spent maintaining applications has already dropped uh, by about 40%. That's opening up a lot of time for me to get my head around Plonmore, get my head around the third-party products, customizing it, and uh, taking on some special projects. So it's already impacted my workload and what I'm able to focus on tremendously. My content providers really liked the old CMS. It was a great little CMS, and it still is. They, they were used to using it, but they absolutely love Plone. There's so much more functionality in Plone for the content providers. In fact, that is one of the biggest selling points of Plone. It makes it tremendously easy for the people that you want to delegate content to who don't know anything about HTML or any of that sort of thing, and they don't want to know and they don't have the time to know. It makes it so easy for them to use. I polled them last week, actually, and did a, uh, just an informal survey to see how they were liking it, and the feedback I got back was it, it brought a blush to my cheeks. It was wonderful. And Best of all, probably, I'm no longer a lone gun. I've got the WebLine community that I can go to at any time. I've got the Plone community, the global Plone community. And I also have the Zope community. A lot of people forget to mention the Zope community. They are a very, very helpful group, too. So that said, I'm going to turn this back over to Catherine, and she's going to talk about the Huck experience, Thank you. which was quite different. Um, uh, 
the Huck Institute of the Life Sciences um, is uh, uh, an organization here at Penn State which cross-cuts departments, colleges, even campuses. Um, it deals with, as the name suggests, um, life sciences um, here at Penn State in the same way that um, Penn State um, uh, Institutes of Energy and the Environment um, cross-cuts different areas. Um, when I started... Um, uh, when I was asked to redo the Huck Institute's website back in February 2007, um, it was probably where a lot of your websites are now, judging by the numbers of hands that were raised. Um, it, it was um, it was okay, um, but it, it was definitely in need of improvement. Um, it was a static site. There was there was uh, every single page was constructed manually. And the navigation on every page was put in there manually. The indicators that this is the page that everyone will put in there manually. Um, it was actually table-based, and all of the styling was in line. So if you wanted to do something as simple as changing the way that headers looked or the way that the navigation worked, you had to make the change manually, page by page by page. And given that we have hundreds, had hundreds of pages at that point, um, we now have thousands. Um, that would have been um, a total nightmare. Um, one of the um, uh, problems, of course, with table-based um, uh, pages, web pages with inline styles, is the accessibility isn't great. Um, you know, if somebody's using a screen reader trying to um, decouple all those nested tables is, 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 is hard. Um, and uh, any kind of change to uh, the information architecture, to the navigation schemes, to the labeling, and also to the styling, uh, it, it would have taken months just to manually do those changes. Um, perhaps because of that, um, because it was such a complex, intricate, manually built um, um, site, nobody else could write to it other than the webmaster. The webmaster was working part-time, um, uh, and uh, it was a real bottleneck for content. So, you know, um, with the best will in the world, working part-time, you know, it takes time to get pages up, uh, particularly when you're basically being a glorified typist and you're just having to do markup. Um, perhaps as a result of that, the content was not really up to date, and also, a um, major problem with the content was that it uh, wasn't written for the web. And uh, Steve Krug this morning talked about you know, using headings, using bullets, using bold to break your text up. This was one of those classic things where you had you know, just columns and columns of text, paragraphs that you, know, you had to scroll just to see the end of the paragraph. Um, and uh, uh, really needed um, attention to it to make it work better um, online. And because uh, this was a site that had been built up over the years, um, the information architecture um, wasn't necessarily very consistent. It, it was one of those evolved sites where, you know, suddenly there's a request that you have to add this section, add this section, and so it gets added here, but then there's no time to add it elsewhere, and so on. So, trying to find your way around the site was really difficult. Trying to find information, even if you knew it was there, was difficult. So, um, I figured that we had to do a, 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 a basically a total revamp. And um, I thought, well, we have to use a, a content management system. Um, and uh, for all the reasons that probably those of you who are already using content management systems um, have gone to them, um, for me, the number one wonderful, wonderful thing about content management system is this thing that you post something once and you can use it many times. You use it wherever it's relevant. And for, for, for me, there were two prime examples of why that was important. Um, people. 
We have faculty members uh, who are members of many different graduate programs. We have 11 different graduate programs on the site. And a faculty member might be a member of seven of them. And if you're putting that person's details into the seven different graduate programs, you can bet your bottom dollar that when their phone number changes, or they want to change their research, what their description of what their research is about, or they get divorced and they want to change their main name back to their maiden name, trying to find all the details of where all their details are and make all those changes, A, you know, you have to work hard to get them all, and sometimes you don't, and B, it's just effort to do it seven, ten times, whatever. Same with events. You've got seminars that might be appropriate to many different areas, graduate programs, whatever, and you want to advertise the same event again and again and again. Writing the title, the time, the, 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 the name of the speaker and so on, all those times. Um, and then the speaker goes and changes their title or the room changes or the time changes and you've got to go and make all those changes again manually. Uh-uh, I wasn't going to go there. Content management system, you post the details once, you pull them up wherever it's relevant. Another thing that really appealed to me was the abilities of content management systems to, to provide um, a mechanism for distributed authoring. Um, the Huck Institute covers such a huge range of subjects, the life sciences. I mean, everything from you know, what goes on inside um, uh, inside cells all the way up to um, population ecology for one person to be able to um, comment sensibly and edit and so on information in that range of subject matter it's just not possible even with a, with a scientific training it's not possible um, so there's a, there's a wide range of specialised subjects and a large volume of material it makes sense to have the subject specialist put information up and be able to post information directly to the web and a content management system allows us to do that the other th great thing about content management system is that it, it, you, can, you can make the content vary dynamically depending on things like the time of day, the time of year, who's looking at it, where you're looking at it from, and so on. Um, so that was why I went to content management system. The reason I chose Plone, um, for all the reasons um, Rose said, um, and, and reasons I've already mentioned, um, the security, the workflows, you can run an intranet and an extranet and a, and a public site all off the same system. That gives you the capability for things like review and sign off. You can also write your own software. You can, you can do things. You can, you can write programs to do things. And we actually wanted to write a program, we have written a program, to allow us to re review student applications for study. That's all in Plone. So we take the application and it goes through all of the, the background stuff where faculty members look at it and comment on the student and then they decide which ones they want to interview and then the student's invited and so on. That's all in Plone. Um, standard and accessibility, very important. Um, and I wanted something that would, would, out of the box, give me really high compliance and Plone does. Um, and uh, of course a wonderful byproduct of that is it really aids findability via search engines and I felt I've been feeling rather smug because if you google Hershey on the main, main Penn State search my site is the first one that comes up not the main Hershey site <laughs> um, and as Rose said um, the support from the central webline team was something that really appealed there are lots of departments and colleges already using Plone there's a wide developer community to whom you can go if you're having problems or you want ideas and there's also a big global community. So, as I said, um, I did a big bang, um, re-architect, redesign, and revamp the content. And it took about six months to, to change everything over, from starting to interview stakeholders to having a live site. And I did usability testing um, uh, throughout. I, 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 I um, 
took about two months to actually write content. It took me probably two to three months to actually get the plane working the way I wanted it to and to get it customized. So that's uh, six months full-time work for a, for a complete migration. And it doesn't stop there because we're still adding content. We're still training new people to, to, to get on and, and, and add content straight onto the website. And we're also experimenting with workflows. We're, we're now starting to think about some of the intranet capabilities it offers. Um, I was the one that did the, the full-time stuff. Um, we have, a, unlike Rose, who had a one-person web team, I actually had um, a, a sysadmin um, who was incredibly useful um, to do things like set up the server, to set up um, caching, redirects, all the things that need to go on in the background with, 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 with um, getting a site running. And he also um, did the majority of the work, almost all the work on this new web application I was talking about. Um, we were able to partition it like that, and that meant I could concentrate on things like uh, information architecture, um, the design, the visual styling, and the content, usability testing, talking to stakeholders, actually doing the building of the site, um, uh, customizing the templates, writing the CSS, building new plug-in products, and so on, and also, very importantly, training my content providers. Um, that's something which will take a fair amount of time, and you have to do it, and redo it, and redo it. Um, and we also have a group, we started a group um, to talk about strategy, um, and that comprises um, faculty and, and myself and some other key staff, um, which is very important because without a strategy, your, your website has nothing to anchor itself to. Um, in my favourite words, my favourite little book cartoon, strategy is the thing that, that lets you say no. Um, uh, and so actually being able to, 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 to have priorities to what your website should be doing is very, very important. And um, we set up a strategy group to provide that direction. Um, and as a result, um, we're very happy with it. We have a, a steadily increasing number of people who are um, providing content. We've got people who are clamoring to get on the site. We have a number of, um, for example, research centers that are saying, we want, we want to be able to do that too. Um, our application for reviewing student um, applications for study is working well and we're actually at the point now of moving to the next version of Plone. And with that, I will hand over to Joe. And now for something totally different. <laughs> <laughs> Our story is a lot different and, and this is one example of a site, just a screenshot of a site that we've built in Plone. And it's, as you can see, it's not the college website. It's more of a collaborative portal. So what we've been using Plone for is building collaborative portals primarily for classes. And now we're starting to experiment with it for managing course content for our online courses. <clears throat> that said, I work for the Solutions Institute, which is part of the College of Information Sciences and Technology. And when I started with them just about a year and a half ago, um, we maintained the college's website. It was in a homegrown CMS, and our mission was to, one of our charges, was to put that into a new CMS, clone being more polished than ours, had a few warts. It's still running it, and it still works very well, but we just wanted to take it to the next level. Well, during that time, the winds of change blew, as they sometimes do. I don't know if that ever happens in your department, but it, it, the winds of change, and the web was moved out of our unit. We had about nine months invested in learning clone and getting you know, up to speed with this, but then that was moved away from our units. So we had, from our unit, so we had a lot invested in, in Plone. And um, so rather than sulk, wait, wait, we did sulk. No, I sulked. <laughs> I sulked for about a week. And then I said, no, that's okay. We have, um, we, this is still a really good tool to have in our arsenal. 
right, for whatever we do. And, and we're also charged with uh, uh, helping with uh, learning and research within the college. So education and research is now our, our focus. So we had a valuable tool, and we wanted that. Our solution site, um, if you look at it today, don't. It's just not any good. It's getting moved to clone. Okay. Um, there's, in the meantime, we had faculty members coming to us and saying that we want um, our students to be able to do blogs and wikis, and you know, it'd be nice if they could have RSS for those things, and you know, file sharing. You know, and we're and then finally we're getting some requests from our instructional designers, ID, for course content management. I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, so why clone? Rapid deployment. We had someone come um, to us, an instructor, and say that they wanted blogs, they wanted wikis in their site. Now, Angel does some of the stuff. Message boards is another thing he wanted. Angel does some of that stuff, but not quite all of it. The other thing is that we could build these sites that were visible to the whole world, rather than just, you know, if it were an Angel, you'd have to have the access, kind of have access to that course. So, there are very good collaboration capabilities in there. They've already talked about the community that we have here um, for Blown and beyond worldwide. Um, and I've already said some about the tools available in Angel and being public facing. So because of those reasons, Blown was a pretty good fit for what these folks wanted. Okay? Um, course content then, as opposed to collaborative portals. A lot of our courses are that the Solutions Institute has built and put online. Okay, so great. Largely, that's been done through static HTML, uh, managed through Dreamweaver. So the content providers, the faculty members, if they wanted to edit that, often they would come to our instructional designers and have them do it, right? Or maybe through Contribute, or they would, if they knew Dreamweaver themselves, they could edit that content. Well, now with Plone, we can we can build this and they can have access to it and they can edit the content themselves. It's really using the content management um, for what it is. So, and again, here I'm talking about course management versus content management. Angel does course management really well, right? Quizzes, drop boxes, um, you, you, those, anyone who uses Angel knows what it does really well. And we don't want to duplicate that. That's already there. We just wanted to augment it and provide a way for the course content to live outside of Angel and be pulled back into Angel. Now, we're very much in the experimental stage on this. We started with course management about a month ago, two months, maybe. And, and it's so far, so good. We're, we're able to put the, the IDs, can work on the site, the instructor can go in and add content, they can work collaboratively. collaboratively. Um, very nice. So, and of course, this content has to be public-facing. So, living outside of Angel, um, this, there's a space-limited Angel, which is, uh, can be an issue sometimes. Uh, some of the courses that are, uh, you know, graphics-intensive or they have a lot of flash in them, sites get really big, and they have just too much content for Angel. So, it's actually, I think, and it helped Angel because we're offloading some of the load to Angel, right? Because we have, are going to house this content and just link to it. So, Angel still does all the course management stuff, rosters, quizzes, and everything. Content lives um, on our side, and that's a real advantage. How did we do it? Um, build skills. Basically, was we spent, as I said before, um, we started using it as we are now, probably nine months getting up to speed on it, uh, and we're still learning every day. You know, that's an ongoing process. So there's two of us primarily. 
Um, I did much of the integration, and my teammate Brian Panula did a lot of the system administration, as well as some development as well. So the two of us worked hard to get these skills down. A lot of front-end work before we offered the services. So the nice thing was that we had the time invested. When the instructor came to us and said, ah, yeah, I'd like this class, and I want to have some logs and wikis, and there's a, can you do that? And we were able to say yes. We can, because we had this tool. And the rapid deployment part came in then, because we knew we had our server set up, we knew how to work with blogs and wikis. Um, we were good to go. We could put up a test site for him to start testing within a week. And then, within two weeks, the site went live, full of collaboration, so uh, the teams had groups. Uh, this class had a, a bunch of teams that were working together. Uh, each team had a blog, each team had a wiki, and most of all, it was funded by a corporate sponsor, and that sponsor could come into the site anytime and see what the students were up to, what kind of content they were putting in there. So, the other thing we did was we started small with low-risk sites. Like, we ate our own dog food first. Right? So we, as we learned, you can play with it and test it all you want, but until you put it into production and let someone else use it, that's when you start to learn it. So we started small, we built a collaboration site for our unit, 10 people who had accounts and we blogged in there regularly and we had a wiki and we just started experimenting with it and you know the users would come to me and say, I don't like this, I don't like this <laughs> and then we just fix it and that's how, that's how, to, how to use it on a small scale before we went to, the, to a, a more high risk site. So that when it came time to deploy the uh, site for the class, um, we, we had already, did I go back? So I did that already. So um, that's essentially how we're using it. Um, collaborative portals and course content, and it's worked really well for us so far. With that, I'll turn it over to Jean. Um, my, my scenario is just a little bit different. Um, we started using Plum for our researchers for uh, project websites. The, these were uh, websites that um, funded research projects could use to share protocols for doing their research. They could share the data that they were collecting. They would have a place to just communicate with one another. Um, we had a lot of um, projects that in our situation were in the Social Science Research Institute um, on campus our faculty are spread out all across campus more and more uh, the research projects involve researchers at other universities as well so um, we needed to be able to uh, bring in people from outside Penn State that didn't have those accounts in a secure uh, environment because a lot of our data is human subjects related so we have a, a real concern for security in the data that we're putting up about our research subjects. Um, the solutions that we used all came sort of from the programming and computer uh, IT staff. Uh, we had researchers that were not particularly technically savvy uh, they were in the social sciences and 
not to say that they can't learn, but they were just not that experienced at the time. This is a, this is about 2005 when we started playing around with this idea. So uh, some of them could could type something up and save it as HTML were in you know from Word, and that's about as as far as they could go. And then they could email it to the webmaster and have somebody put it up. So the programmers were getting really frustrated because they wanted to do a lot of things collaboratively. And we wanted to help them with more than email or FTP sites. And we started playing around writing our own CGI scripts. Um, we had some statistical software that allowed us to, uh, that had a, a CGI broker that we could write macros and we could pass parameters to the statistical software and do analyses and regressions and cross tabs and all that stuff. And so it was kind of slick, but. Not everybody knew how to do it. And then we had somebody saying, well, let's try doing it in PHP and MySQL. And somebody else saying, well, we have an MS Access database and we could try ColdFusion because that's free. We can get a free copy. So every programmer out of our team of about eight people was using a different set of solutions to try to help these researchers collaborate on the internet. Um, once a programmer left, Nobody knew how to continue with that project's website. So we got really frustrated and we wanted one solution that would work pretty much for everything. Um, at that time, as, like I say, it was about 2005, I just did a search. Uh, I don't even know, think I used the term content management system. I don't even think I knew what it was at that point. But I was just looking for some kind of collaboration tool for the web. And actually, one of the first hits that came up in, in the search was the WebLine group here at Penn State. So I contacted them. And uh, Rob Porter, one of the developers, came right over to my office and helped me set up my first clone site. Um, we wanted to have a site that would run on Linux, because that's our preferred platform. It had to be free because nobody budgeted in their grants for any kind of software for the web. And we wanted it to be open source so we could play around with it. Um, we also had the problem of having our research data in proprietary databases. We also had um, statistical analysis and database queries that we we really had to be able to do online because our researchers uh, had a problem of n not all having their data sets in sync. So they would get different results in their analysis because they were just using different versions of the same data. Um, so Clone actually played very well with others. We, be, we were able to collect parameters in the Plone site and send them off to our statistical software and uh, be able to connect to other databases. Uh, a lot of the tools that we wanted to take advantage of um, that did not exist in Plone out of the box were right there for us as third-party products that were free and we could just drop in. So how do we do this, the process? Well, we just, being a research institute, you just jump in, you know, feet first. and. Um, we got a faculty member who was really hot to try stuff on the web, wanted his site on the web. He, he wanted to develop some materials 
on his research project and then once he had all the materials together he wanted that site to go out to the be accessible by the public so this was a perfect uh, first project for us because um, the content was added uh, only by people who could log in and initially could only be viewed after a login and as the site built he could roll out different sections of it and make them available to the public without having to move anything at all. All he had to do was just change the permission on that area of the site. Um, I was the developer. I, know I am not a web person at all. I am a statistical programmer. Uh, I also had the help of our system administrator um, to set up our first site. We went live right away. I think Probably we played with it for two or three weeks once we started, and we just I just turned it over to the faculty member. I made a manager and said, go, have fun. And he, he was able to add content, and he was able to do things like change the logo and change the color of the title and all that in a point-and-click environment. So he was really pleased with that. And, and then when he got into something that he wanted to do or he needed some help, then I would come in and try to do something on the back end. Um, it was a really good success, and I, I think we got a little overconfident in phase two when we just started giving everybody a site, you know. And we, we were so happy with some of the third-party products that we just kept adding anything that looked shiny and bright. We just dropped it in, and, ooh, you could do this now, and here's a blog, and here's a wiki, and here's this and that. And um, Sloan kept... Um, uh, changing actually and this is a problem that people have with open source software they feel that um, okay there's going to be all these revisions and changes and how is that is it in control and can I keep up with it and is it going to be reliable or am I going to put a new version on and the whole thing's going to crash we were able to keep up with it but you don't have to, and that's the other nice thing about the open source content. If you want to stay at version 2.1, you can stay there as long as you want. That, that software is still available to you. If you want to keep upgrading along with everybody else, fine. Our big test was one of our, our first web site, uh, the faculty member moved to Oregon, and he wanted to take his site with him. And they didn't have Apache, they didn't have Linux, they were an IIS shop, Windows shop, um, and we ported that site over from 2.1 to 2.5 for him just by pushing a couple of buttons and uh, an export button and sent it off, and he was able to have his site at, at his other university. Um, about 2006, we were so happy with what we were doing with the um, research sites, we started to put more of our public-facing sites into Plone. So we had, a, uh, I think our, uh, the first public site that was really up and running at Penn State was our data sharing site in 2006. You can still visit it. It's up. It needs an upgrade to, to version 3, but that's going to happen this summer. Uh, and it's a data sharing site at sodapop.pop.psu.edu. Um, and now more of our uh, Existing sites, our main uh, site for the research center is being augmented with Plone in the sense that our help section is done in Plone and our staff intranet section is done in Plone. And I think well, maybe nobody's here from our 
development team, but I think maybe our, our main site's going to go flip over to Pwn eventually too. Um, my advice to you is just don't be a lone wolf. I started myself and uh, I had a faculty member who was engaged and, and the key was that this, this faculty member wanted to put things up himself. He wanted to have control over this site. If you can get a faculty member uh, engaged and some key contact providers, that will really help because, it, as Rose said, they're the ones that really love Plone. And they will go out and say, we've got to have this. We need support. You know, get, get some money to help people. They'll be your cheering section. Um, and then be a webline partner. That's oh. <laughs> okay, now for a few words of advice. Uh, I'm going to go through these slides fairly quickly. It's stuff you've already heard from all of us from our various perspectives. And then we're going to open things up for Q&A. Um, Get buy-in, organizational support. Uh, I actually uh, placed a uh, example proposal for adopting Plone on my blog site, and it's also linked off the WebLine site. So free, free, feel free to go there and copy anything or all of it if you want to. Uh, migration, you've heard the Big Bang approach. You've heard the incremental. I know that organizationally you may not have an option. A lot of organizations prefer to do a complete redesign and then roll it out. If you can do it incrementally, you will probably live longer. Okay. Uh, iterative improvement, agile programming, the heart and the soul of agile programming is something that everyone should, should adopt, and that is to make your user one of your team members and, and elicit constant feedback from your users and build that into your application, your website, as you go along. Understand that it never stops. I really like this about working with anything open source. I like it a lot about Plone. It's a tremendous learning opportunity for me. Uh, Plone community is a very vibrant community, and the Plone product is a very vibrant product, and so it continually improves. That's something that you want in a web presence. Managing content providers. Some of your content provider teams, some of you have had experience with this already, and you know what I'm talking about. Some of them are going to be excellent. They're going to become part of a core team with you. They're going to become your right arm. Some of them are putting 100% of their minds into their other work, and they don't want to learn this stuff. So there is going to be a little bit of an element of training, re-retraining, re-re-re-re-re-re-retraining. That's just the way it is. But it's a heck of a lot better than working with them if they're using something like Dreamweaver. Invest time in learning, documenting, and feedback into the Plone community if you possibly can. If you do that, you're going to find that the rest of the Plone community is going to be even more willing to step in and help you when you need it. So do not go it alone. As Steve Krug talked about balancing the needs of internal stakeholders and primary users when he talked about why it sucks to be us. So I don't really need to say a whole lot more about that. I think you understand where we're coming from with that. Uh, develop a sound-tested IA, page-level design. Plone really helps you with this, with rapid prototyping. Uh, Joe spoke to that very eloquently, I think. Thinking and writing for the web, I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. Those of you who have worked with, with uh, an enterprise-level CMS, similar to Plone, you know about this. The modular content, entering once, using many times, that is the mantra of a CMS, right? The editing environment in Plone allows you to edit within the context so that your, your content providers are working with their content while seeing the surrounding page and the surrounding site at all times. This allows for some very teachable moments. The workflow and the versioning, Catherine spoke about that. Um, 
One of my favorite uh, features of the uh, versioning is the commenting section. I can either edit a page that a content provider has done or not edit the page, but add a comment, push it back to the content provider, and create a teachable moment, and that person hopefully will learn something about writing for the web, managing content for the web. LinguaPlone, I added this bullet point about uh, 45 minutes ago. Uh, LinguaPlone is going to be something very important for our environment because we have a wide international audience and we have a lot of Spanish pages. And LinguaPlone allows you to uh, turn out a boilerplate, boilerplate, excuse me, of um, your content in another language, so that then you can go in and edit that and make it precisely correct. Research and network. This is part of the process that I've already spoke about. Share what you come across because it's not a given that the rest of us already know about that. And the Webland and the Plum communities are there for you. Yes, you will need to take out a bit of programming. Some of you aren't afraid of that. Some of you maybe are. You can do as little or as much as you like. It's like picking up the guitar and learning guitar. If you're happy with three chords and a capo, go with it. Play all the campfire songs you want. If you want to get more complex, if you want to get under the hood and create your own products, do your own programming from the ground up, that opportunity is there for you. Mostly, just to get the thing up and running, you'll be just tweaking some existing code, and all of this is already documented. You don't have to learn it on your own. Bottom line is, at least from my personal standpoint, is that Plone is a tremendous professional growth opportunity aside from helping your department, web presence. You put Python and the uh, underlying uh, pinnings of Plone on your resume, and that is a real seller. Skills. This is the sysadmin stuff. If you're the sysadmin, if you've got a sysadmin, none of this is going to seem strange to them. This is what sysadmins do. If you're not a sysadmin, you don't have one, your sysadmin isn't interested in supporting Plone, there's WebLand hosting. You can take all that right off you. And that's going to be available in the fall. So, contacts and resources, there they are. I won't belabor them. It's Q&A time. Yes. Uh, kind of a comment and observation. Like a year ago when I attended a lot of the, or even a few years ago, I attended WebLion sessions. I never really knew what Plone and Zoe were. I got the reasons why content management systems were good, and I realized that. But it would be nice to see a sample plain vanilla Plone page, see one that's got, like I created for our users, a sample page that had like folders and documents and uh, various different objects and how you could go in and choose the news item because when you start mentioning these terms, it means nothing, at least for mm -hmm. us. And then as a, as a user that would be supporting the Plum Zoap system, I would have liked to have seen the Zoap part of it. And maybe you're not showing that part of it because it can look intimidating. It's a lot different than what I've ever worked with. But I like, I'm a visual person, so mm -hmm. I would have liked to have seen like a, a, just a generic Plum site, and I would have liked to have seen the actual Zoap just so I have a clear picture in my mind how the two yeah. come together. Yeah, but, um, obviously this is more of a testimonial session. Um, right. What you want is something that's nuts and bolts, and I, that is perfectly reasonable. Um, the, the metaphor that helps me, and not everybody seems to agree with me, but I'm kind of a motorhead. Um, when, I, when you think about Zoop and Plone, the way I think about Zoop and Plone is I think of Zoop as the chassis and Plone as the body. Now, the SOAP is the underlying framework. Clone is actually a product that lives over top of SOAP. Now, um, here's a basic clone site. And um, WebLine was up here a second ago. And that's a clone site. So, yeah, what you're asking for is another session, <coughs> an hour long, with the, the whole nuts and bolts. And you're a WebLine partner, right? Yeah. 
So that can happen for you and for anyone else who's interested. So just on that point, um, Webline offers a Plan for Beginners course, which is um, a set of six two-hour sessions, which covers exactly that kind of thing. Uh, it needs about that long to even start to get under the hood of it. But I, I, I just even, I'm just saying not so much the mechanics of it. I realize it's a whole different session. But I just like to visualize. Okay, this is what Plone is. You know, bring up just a, the Plone site that comes up and you install the, the software. The, the Plone can be customized to look whatever you like. Right. And it, when it comes out of the box, it looks basically, if you go to Plone.org, that's what right. it looks like when it comes but out see, of the I box. I didn't know that. And that would be helpful for me as a visual learner. I would have liked to have seen cool. that. And then I would have liked to see just the Zoe part. Not knowing how to do anything, but just know, okay, here's Plone, here's Zoe. Python's underneath, you know, the language and everything. Okay, great. Any other questions? Yes. Well, I'm faculty in an academic department, and I've been tasked with doing a website, which is 10 years old. Mm -hmm. That was me a year ago. Yeah, so this question is for you and Rose and for anybody else who can answer it, or anybody else in the room, actually. How do I uh, convince my department head that the the IT support guy who's you know changing printer cartridges is not the person to be doing this, and that I need a full-time web programmer to be able to get this job done and and, and be able to provide all this functionality. Um, <laughs> like is there an IT group in your unit? Are there any programmers currently there? Uh, we're trying to fill the position. We, we can't keep anybody in it because it's a very low salary position <coughs> for you know the 22-year-old guy. In the yeah. I mean, th this, this is for me something that uh, I personally get extremely annoyed by. That uh, there is a perception that websites you can just wave a magic wand and a staff assistant can wave a magic wand and it will magically work. Um, maybe you could try some usability testing. Maybe you could do the usability testing route. Um, I know I used to, in, my, in previous existence, I used to work in market research, and what Steve Krug said this morning about you know, the scales falling off the eyes um, is so true. Um, I were running focus groups, and I'd have people in there who, who had very fixed opinions that, oh no, people are going to read 17 pages of close small print, and then they're going to think rationally about something before they do whatever it is we want them to do. And um, you put them in the room, and they'd say um, something that would just make people, I mean, I had literally had one person fall off a chair. I mean, I, I never thought, I thought falling off a chair was, was just a metaphor. It actually happened in one of my um, sessions where just the realization that somebody could think like they think. So maybe you want to try usability testing. Yeah, it's a CMS. Is selling the CMS <coughs> the idea of a CMS? They love the idea of Webline. Okay. But the idea that uh, we find a salary for somebody who can do this year-round full-time, that's just like, but, but can't the admin just do this sort of thing? Or can't the guy who's already spending 40 hours a week, you know, installing antivirus software, why can't he do it? You might want to try to cross-share. Find another department in your college that is in the same situation. Uh, sometimes you can band together that way. piggyback mm -hmm. Um, there's a question there. Yeah, this is similar. You know, if you have one a small outfit, you're the one person shop sort of thing. Um, and you talked about partnering with WebLine and don't go it alone. I guess I, if you have some description of the various ways, I think you can become a partner with WebLine and they are right there and do your site for you in some way. <laughs> Well, 
actually, WebLine don't do your site for you. Um, it's about upskilling. So WebLine will work with you and other people in your group, if there are any, so that you do stuff yourself. Um, WebLine uh, hasn't got enough staff to do sites for everybody. Right, there are varying levels of contractual agreements with them in terms of the amount the, of support that you're given. The, the, there, there, are, there are two levels. Um, uh, one is a college level, one is a departmental level. Um, I would say um, contact Mike Harm or Christian Minton Johansson um, and talk to them about, about things because things are changing as well. So um, I'm not entirely sure what the exact um, agreement is at the moment. But uh, And the other thing is um, th there's, there's a big community so you can, you, you can, you can kind of sample it and see. So, um, you know, go and have a look at the documentation, go and hang out on the chat room um, and so on and see if it is something that might interest you. Yes? One thing that helped me, and I'm not sure this might help you or not, but um, my boss happened to come down with me to a webline meeting where he's also getting an introduction to what webline is actually all about. And I think when he saw the complexity of it, it really hit him at that point that I can't do it part time that we need full-time support. And our college was fully behind a content management system, but we didn't have a programmer. And that seemed to kind of just open his eyes to see why it was taking me so long to learn a lot of this stuff on my own, because I hadn't contacted the community at that point. But that helped me tremendously. There was a question at the back. Oh, yes. I'm pretty interested in um, content we use. Formalize the approach of y'all taken to uh, to doing that. I mean, the 
the difficult thing with the content management system often is that uh, you know, there are people that come and go, and also uh, there's not a lot of buy-in on the front end, and then you're deep in the process also in places. How do you do that kind of approach? I mean, do you have a, a formalized sessions that you do, or is it like a user's group you have, or how do you do it? We, we take different approaches actually. Um, I, I tend to um, do one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two intensive training sessions. I have a two-hour session with somebody or a pair of people. Um, I try not to do more than two because otherwise the, the, the different speeds of different people really hamper you. Um, so, and then very often I will go and do a backup, uh, a second one or two hour training session a few weeks on once they've been using it. Rose. I do a combination of things. I have an intranet section for content providers, and I, if I find that I'm giving the same little lesson over and over and over, I create a Camtasia movie and just throw that up online, and that saves a lot of time. Then they can go watch the little Camtasia movie as many times as they want. Uh, I think one of the most important things to remember when you start working with content providers is that you've got these captives where you can do continuous usability studies, and my content providers uh, have given me a tremendous amount of very, very useful feedback on the usability of the site, so I do a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. So, so the wiki also has a page on instructions for content providers that talks about these different methods. One, one thing that you can do with Clone also is you can restrict what kinds of content people can add so that you can just give them a little great point. bit at a time. Just allow them to do events. Yes, that's a good point. I mean, I have staff assistants who are just adding events and you train somebody to add an event, it takes about 20 minutes. And, and that's all they add. And, and then they, they get a feel for <coughs> navigating a little bit and saving and all of that. And then, then roll out a couple other content types and that will work as well. Same with the collaborative portals. Um, I just by doing that, limiting, it's all user generated content in one of the sites that we have. So just by limiting what they can put where, and there's a limited number of options for them, it was very intuitive for them. They were able to pretty much figure it out all by themselves. I'm dealing with students who, who tend to be um, dived in anyway, but still, very few questions from them as to how to do something. So this question here for us. Uh, we're, in a, uh, we're in an era, short term I hope, of uh, different uh, video formats. How does uh, Plum handle uh, different video products? Uh, the, 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 um, there's actually a product um, called Plum for Artist Video, which is a plug-in product which you can use, and I can't remember which formats it takes. So, 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 so there is there is a product that you can use to plug in uh, videos into your site, and I think it's there's three or four different formats it takes. I'd have to look it up. I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. Customize it further to take other. Yeah, you could you could you could customize it further if it doesn't work for you. Yeah, there was a question there. Well, just to follow up to the question about maintaining or managing your I'm uh, managing your, your content providers. So today I am managing the college of education form site and we're happy through our our incremental, very incremental release. Um, but by the end we will have fifty, I don't know, count how many content providers um, and I am training one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two. I'm putting things on the website. But in the end, I hope to take this whole idea of community and bringing these group people together as a community so that we're meeting maybe once a month and I'll maybe at that, we'll, you know, we'll round back or something. I'll say, 
say, okay, we're going to talk about keywords in common and why you want to use keywords. Or we're going to talk about you know whatever little piece that might be troubling a majority of people. By building that community, then if we've got four buildings in the college education, so we're very decentralized. If they can walk down the hall and talk to their friend who's also a common user and they can answer their question, that's less of people coming to me or to the one other person who's kind of a designated as a trainer in that college. So I'm hoping that that will help the College of Education manage a very large group of people. That's great. If that works, please could you put details on our wiki here? <laughs> The, 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 the wiki is a, is a document which is um, anybody can write to it throughout the world. Um, we have lots of non-Penn State people contributing it, but but a lot of Penn State people also. So please, um, uh, if you if you're interested, go there and have a look at it. And um, if you see stuff that you think should be on there, just add it. Um, you know, we do check what's added, um, and uh, and uh, it's, it's part of the community. It, it, it's a community effort. Great. Um, I think we're out of time, so I'll call it a day. Thank you very much. And, um, we're around all day, and you've seen us now, so do come and talk to us uh, separately if you've still got questions. Thanks.